1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Please do have your Bibles open at that passage in 1 Thessalonians, and it makes such a difference if you can see the Bible text as I preach. As you do that, let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us now from your word. May your Holy Spirit empower, convict, and apply that word. And may we listen attentively and obediently for Jesus' sake. Amen. Sunday nights at the start of this term, 1 Thessalonians. The title for our series is Authentic. What an authentic church is like and what authentic leaders in a church are like. Paul moves between the two, authentic church and authentic leaders, in the letter. The marks of an authentic church and the marks of authentic leadership. In moving between the two, he makes the point that they are integrally related. An authentic church has authentic leadership, or authentic leadership builds an authentic church. Paul's major focus in chapters 2 and 3 is authentic leadership. Who does he mean by leaders? He speaks personally about his own leadership as an apostle. In doing so, he embraces Silas and Timothy, his colleagues. All three of them, Paul, Silas and Timothy, had had significant involvement, albeit for a short time, in the life of the church in Thessalonica. 
Moreover, what Paul says about authentic leadership in his ministry and that of Silas and Timothy is being mirrored in this local church in Thessalonica. Paul and Silas had only been there less than a month at the start of the church. Timothy had made a short visit. The church is strong because of the leadership of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but just as much, indeed more so, by the fact that their example of authentic leadership has been followed, imitated by the local leadership in the church at Thessalonica. Let me point you to two specific references in the text of the letter indicating that is the case, one from the start and one near the end. Firstly, chapter 1 and verse 5b. Paul writes, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Notice his words, imitators of us and of the Lord. Authentic leadership is modeled and patterned on the apostles' ministry, but first and foremost on that of the Lord Jesus. Second reference, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, the other end of the letter. Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Paul is encouraging the whole church family to respect, esteem, and love the elders in the church in Thessalonica, that is, those who are over you in the Lord. Overseers or elders are the leaders of a local church. Now, Paul would not say that had Timothy not reported back to Paul following his visit that the local leaders in that church were indeed authentic. And authentic leaders in a local church enable and equip others to lead. Paul and Silas had enabled local leadership in the church. And these local leaders, the elders, the overseers, had enabled and equipped others to lead. By teaching the word of God, leaders enable and equip others to speak the truth in love, to use the gifts God has given them to build up the church, to love one another. I've just read chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Paul is asking everyone in the church family to respect the overseers or elders. But in the very next verse, he speaks to the whole church family about what they should be doing. Listen to what he says, chapter 5 and verse 14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Once again, we can assume rightly that Timothy's report had indicated that this was what was happening in the church in Thessalonica. You see, authentic leadership, and there was authentic leadership, overseers, elders in the church, patterned on Paul and Silas and Timothy's ministry. And that authentic leadership had multiplied leadership, equipped, enabled people right throughout the church family so that people were speaking the truth in love, encouraging, admonishing, helping, being patient. Now, who are the leaders in Chalmers? The elders, as Adam prayed, who lead the church corporately. Some set apart to full-time leadership. 
Then those who lead small groups, those who lead uh, leaders' growth groups, others in small groups who lead Bible studies, youth and children's group leaders. That's a lot of people. But beyond that, all of us, every Christian who is part of the church family, taking responsibility to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That sounds like a small group meeting. Discussion around God's word. Exhorting those who need it. Lifting up the faint of heart. Reaching out to the weak. Patience with all. In a small group where people know and love one another, what a rich and blessed environment it is. When in that group, everyone is looking out for one another, willing to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient. A good and healthy change in Chalmers over the last few years, a change that has gathered much more pace during the last year of COVID and lockdown, is the development of genuine corporate leadership throughout the church family, with many more people being given, and just as significantly, taking responsibility. And along with that, all of us stepping up in our intentional love and care for one another. Lockdown has impressed the need of that on us all very much. A lot of people have stepped up. That a sign of authenticity and genuineness. So what are the marks then of authentic leadership that ripple out, spread out through the life of an authentic local church? Well, we saw from chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, that authentic leaders are bold in declaring the gospel of God, whether behind a lectern on a Sunday or on a Zoom group with little stars. It is the gospel of God that is taught from the word of God. Authentic leaders are not diverted from this conviction, even though it inevitably leads to opposition and conflict. Sometimes it's a very practical thing. We might think of that's awfully grand or dramatic, but it could just be a CCY leader just toughing it out in the middle of Romans 7 when all the temptation is to abandon and do something else. Because the Word of God changes lives. Authentic leaders, moreover, love the church family as their own family. The illustration Paul used in chapter 2 is the love of a mother and father for their children, a dedicated, affectionate, selfless, gentle love that comforts when required, that disciplines when requires. And these two marks of authentic leadership, teaching the gospel of God from the word of God, and loving the church family as your own family can only can only come together in the life of a local church. There is an important difference between listening to someone teaching the Bible you know and who knows you. However adequate or not they are at it, from listening to someone who doesn't know you. God's word is clear. We grow as Christians. We help 
others grow as Christians in local churches, when we listen to preaching from our preachers, when we know their warts and all, when we study the Bible with our small groups, with people we know. That's what God's Word says we are to do. Church on Zoom or YouTube makes it very easy to listen in elsewhere. Now, there is nothing wrong with that per se, unless it is instead of your local church. Now, the marks of authentic leadership, chapter 2, that spread out through the life of an authentic local church, teaching the gospel of God from the word of God, loving the church family as your own family. You see how they need to ripple out. You see the very big difference between a preacher on a Sunday teaching the gospel of God from the word of God and a small group on a Tuesday teaching something else. It's when it ripples out that the church grows in maturity. And loving the church family as your own family. We often call Chalmers Church a church family because that's exactly what it is. It is the household of God. We love one another in this church family as we love our own families. And much of that is true of Chalmers. And we thank God for that. Now, from the passage that uh, Amy read, what more can we learn about authentic leadership? Now, I'm simply going to list a number of marks of authenticity and then apply them. Five marks in all. Number one. Number one, authentic leadership means longing to meet together in person. Now, here's a timely verse from the Bible at the moment. Verses 17 and 18. Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Now preach these verses in a room which is largely empty to a camera after nearly a year. Verse 11, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Paul had only been with the church a month before he was forced to leave because of the strength of opposition. Now, at a time like now when we are unable to meet together in person as a church family, we can surely understand the strength of feeling in Paul's words. I was slightly anxious tonight that I might not hold it together when I say these words. Since we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, but not in heart, is a reminder that we may not be with each other in person, but we are still with each other in heart. We endeavoured all the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Now, the situation with Paul is very different. His concern, his anxiety, his burden was to know how they were. 
to know if they were going on in the Lord. He had no way of knowing that because he was separated from them in person. It had been a year since he was with them in person. In the end, the only way he could find out was to send Timothy to bring news of them, which happens. It's good news. Paul writes the letter full of joy and thanksgiving because he knows they are okay. Now we have, thank God, YouTube and Zoom and WhatsApp, Zoom groups after the services, small groups in Zoom. We are able to meet one other person outside our household for a walk. But let's not for a moment think that it's anything like the same as being together in person. Do we really know how people are at the other end of a screen? Do we really know who is at the other end of the screen? Now, God is sustaining us through this time. People are working hard to care for, encourage, and disciple people as best they can. We thank God that we can still come together under the Word of God on a Sunday, study the Bible in our small groups, have Zoom prayer meetings, which have been such a blessing, but it's nothing like gathering together in person. We long for the day when that will happen again. And we will not keep apart from one another in person any longer than we need to. We must not, for the sake of our souls, for the sake of those who are drifting away, for the sake of the unconverted, Right now, we are at the peak of a second wave in the pandemic, and there are some early signs of stabilizing for which we thank God. Vaccines are beginning to be rolled out. It may never all go away, though. There will always be some risks. And there will come a time when churches need to reopen their doors in obedience to God and for the sake of people's salvation. There are eternal risks and consequences to bear in mind, as well as present and temporal ones. Now, someone may mishear what I am saying. In my view, it is right that churches are closed at the moment. We had no choice. It is the law. But had we been given the freedom to decide ourselves what is right, we would, I think, have made exactly the same decision. What I am saying is that with all my heart, I long for the day when we are together again. What I am saying is that we share Paul's spiritual burden and pain of being apart. And we do what we can to get back to being together as soon as we can. For example, it is a very significant thing not to be able to gather around the Lord's table. In obedience to his command, do this in remembrance of me. We feel it when we can't meet on a Sunday. We feel it when we can't meet in person in our small groups. The children and young people, their leaders feel it when they can't meet together in person. This morning I received an email from someone who is a teacher by profession and also involved in teaching children in church. He wrote to encourage others teaching children in church. 
And his email read just like Paul's words, since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored all the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. These words come from the heart of an authentic leader. Authentic leadership means longing to meet together in person. Number two, authentic leadership means a loving concern that people are standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties. Let's read chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 again. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Now, Paul had made it clear when he was with them that believing in the gospel of God, living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, speaking out that gospel would lead them into difficulties. Paul and Silas had faced direct and hostile opposition when they were in the church in Thessalonica. And that opposition had continued ever since. And Paul knew that. What he didn't know was whether they were still standing fast in the Lord. And it was of deep concern to Paul. Just listen to the strength of his feelings. When we could bear it no longer. Unbearable. Not knowing if they were standing fast in the Lord. Paul is well aware that when difficulties come, Satan, referred to in verse 5 as the tempter, can persuade people to give up or to change the message, the gospel, to take the hostility away. This week, the CU events weeks begin in Scotland. We need to be much in prayer for them. They will proclaim a clear gospel. There will be conversions. There will be opposition and rejection. And when that opposition comes, say from flatmates, when as a Christian you invite them to a Zoom event, then be vigilant to the prods of Satan to tempt you to draw back and to lose confidence. That's why it matters. That as a student you are in a church where you are loved for and cared for and where leaders are concerned when you are engaging in evangelism that you are not discouraged or tempted to draw back and you are standing fast in the Lord. That is the loving concern of a student leader. They are at your back. Our gospel partners in different parts of the world where they are up to their neck in affliction. It's why they need a local church where they are and it's why they need sending churches and partner churches what does gospel partnership mean? What are our elders concerned for? What are our global mission team members concerned for? And a loving concern that they are, what? Standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties. We must not assume they are okay. 
We need to be proactive and intentional in seeing that they are. And in church life at any time, at any time, even when the sun is shining and we're able to gather together, there are many people at any time experiencing difficulties of one sort or another, difficulties that test our faith. Now they prove our faith as God's grace sustains us. But Satan tempts us to despair, to doubt, to question. And in church life, during this particular time, there are many more people experiencing difficulties. And we cannot be together. And so our burden for one another is deeply felt, is heartfelt. Are people standing fast in the Lord? All over the church family in Chalmers, people are working hard as a labor of love to keep in church, but there are some with whom we have lost touch. Maybe tonight you've tuned in for the first time in a long time. We want you to know that we are concerned to know if you are standing fast in the Lord. Now, in all of this, we trust in God. God is sovereign. He is at work protecting his people. He is the chief shepherd, not us. And again and again, we find that someone we are really worried about, God has been looking after them. Often when we pray for someone as elders really concerned, God answers that prayer. But trusting in God's sovereignty is not an excuse to do nothing. It is a reason to hope always no one is beyond the reach of God's hand. Trusting in God's sovereignty is what helps you in leadership, in a church, in whatever capacity to sleep at nights, but is never a reason not to be burdened for them. Someone has stopped coming to a small group. A leader is not going to ignore that. The hard thing about Sundays at the moment is we just don't know who's there and who's not. Yes, if we run Zoom either, for the service or afterwards, but not if we're watching on YouTube. No one knows. Even as I look down the camera lens right now, there are people in my mind that I was thinking about before the service that I'm anxious for. I don't know if you are standing fast in the Lord or not. And the fellow members of your church family don't know either. And they care. Authentic leadership means longing to meet together in person. It means standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties. Number three, it means rejoicing when people are. Verse five, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. And then these extraordinary words. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord. What moving words that reveal the anatomy of the pastor Paul's heart. News of a gospel partner comes in that we've been worried about. 
For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, a teenager comes back to CCY who has drifted away during lockdown. For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, someone has not responded to messages, but then they do. You meet, you pray, and you rejoice. For now we live because you are standing fast in the Lord. A family who's drifted away, they come back to church, you watch them, and you can see in their demeanor that God has kept them. They are standing fast in the Lord. And Sunday by Sunday, when we see each other on screens, inadequate as that is, when we meet each other in screens in our small groups, inadequate as that is, we rejoice each week to see our brothers and sisters in the Lord in the midst of many difficulties still standing fast in the Lord. The people who came into membership this morning, watch it if you haven't yet. It was so moving to watch these three young people professing their faith from their homes. For now we live. For now we live. Whatever we are going through, now we live because you are standing fast in the Lord. Longing to meet together in person. A loving concern that people are standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties. Rejoicing when they are. Number four. Authentic leadership means encouraging people to keep growing in their faith. Verses 2 and 10. First verse 2. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. And then verse 10, we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul is desperate to know how they are, but as soon as he knows that they are okay, he's encouraging them to keep on growing in their faith, to keep on listening to the Word of God, to keep on learning and growing. What keeps us going is the desire to keep growing. Each week as we gather on a Sunday in our small groups, kids group on Zoom, it's far from ideal. Sometimes the live stream doesn't work perfectly. Sometimes our broadband doesn't work. But we keep on going. Because we keep on growing. And we keep on growing because we keep on going. School teachers... We are praying for you. Sunday Club, Sparklers, Little Stars, Youth Church, CCY teachers. We are praying for you. Small group leaders, we are praying for you. Parents, we are praying for you. Thank you for your perseverance. May God strengthen you with his grace. Longing to meet in person. A loving concern that we are standing fast in the Lord. Rejoicing when we find that we are. And encouraging people to keep on growing in their faith. Fifthly, and finally, authentic leadership means a constant awareness of people's eternal destiny. It will have struck you how very strong Paul's language is in this letter how deeply his 
emotions are affected. Since we were torn away from you, when we could bear it no longer, for now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord, why is he so affected? Because he is aware of the eternal implications. Does it matter that people are standing fast in the Lord? It matters for all eternity. Everyone connected in some way to the Chalmers Church family who is a Christian will spend all eternity in heaven. Everyone connected in some way to the Chalmers Church family who is not a Christian will spend eternity in hell. That is why Paul is so concerned for their salvation. Eternity is a refrain sounded throughout the letter, for example, 110 to 12 to 16. And twice in our section, firstly 219 to 20, for what is our hope or joy or crown or boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? What is it about the last day that matters? You, he says, for you are our glory and joy. And then chapter 2, 11 to 13, the prayer, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we all do, so that he, and you see where Paul's mind has gone, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There is nothing that is nothing more important, nothing more important than when, where we will spend eternity. And there is nothing more important to us about one another than that. Now let me summarize the marks of authentic leadership we have seen in these chapters, two and three. Teaching the gospel of God from the word of God. Loving the church family as your own family. Longing to be together in person. A loving concern that people are standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties, rejoicing when they are, encouraging people to keep on growing in their faith, always mindful of their eternal destiny. Is this happening? Is this what we feel? Are our emotions so affected? Is this happening among the elders, the small group leaders, the Bible study leaders, the youth and children's leaders, all the teams that work in these areas, those who look out for our gospel partners? Is this kind of authentic leadership happening? Is it leading to intentional engagement across the church family in the conversations, the interactions we have? Is it happening? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And thank God it is. But if you are not engaged in that, then the church family will benefit 
from your engagement. In your small group, looking out for one another with that kind of intentionality, admonishing the idle, encouraging the faint-hearted, helping the weak, being patient with all, always mindful of one another's eternal destiny. It matters so much. Yes, leaders are to lead by example, but when this burden for others, this intentional concern spreads like ripples through the life of a church, then that church is so much stronger, so much safer. The reaches reach much wider. The fringe gets smaller. So when you're on a walk, one-on-one, two meters apart, with your hand gel, talk about what really matters. These marks of authenticity are evident in charmers, they really are, but there are times when we grow weary, oftentimes. There are times when we become indifferent, struggle to be authentic. Who doesn't? And that is okay, for our Lord knows, and the Lord wants to help us And in verses 11 to 13, the Apostle Paul prays for us. Let me read his words and let them lead us into prayer as we reflect on God's word to us tonight. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our ways to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Let us pray. Our Father, we take up the words of the Apostles' Prayer and ask that you would make it increase and abound, that you would make us increase and abound in love for one another to be to one another in this church family like the apostle was to the church family in Thessalonica, and like they were to one another as a church. Make us such a church family more and more. That is our prayer. Help us, Lord God, to teach one another the gospel of God from the word of God, never flinching from that, however hard, Help us to love one another in the church family as we love our own families. Help us to long to be together again. Help us, Lord, to be concerned for one another that we are standing fast in the Lord in the midst of difficulties. Help us to rejoice when we see that person on Zoom and our hearts are gladdened. Help us to rejoice in the conversations and help us to encourage one another to keep on growing in the faith. And help us to be ever mindful, ever vigilant, that there will come a day 
and it may be sooner than we know. When we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and ahead of us and ahead of everyone in this church, family and community will face an eternal destiny. Help us to be authentic more and more for Jesus' sake. Amen.